Welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks with Lisa and Regina. Your favorite podcast about mind, body, and soul. Welcome everyone. Today, mm. we are talking about the four horsemen of relationships. Like it. Yeah. It sounds mm. ominous. It does sound awesome. Ominous. <laughs> I said awesome. <laughs> Both. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into it in a second. And it's definitely a play off of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm. Correct. So stay tuned. Mm. But first, we're going to tell you. What we're drinking. <laughs> but you're going to want to listen in and hear about these four horsemen in a second. But mm-hmm. yes, what are we drinking today? Organic pomegranate white tea. Mm. Yeah, I really like this. White tea is like so fun and light. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, just feel like fresh, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so this has hibiscus and lemongrass. Oh, yeah. Very nice. And pomegranate, clearly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I like it. It's, it's nice and pink, which mm-hmm. is always fun. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a clear glass that I drink mine out of. And whenever I drink this, people always make comments like, ooh, what are you drinking? <laughs> I know, it's fancy. <laughs> pomegranate white tea. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. So it's based on Four Horsemen, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yes. Um, and for those who don't know, which mm. I, this is a very popular yeah. theme, but um, it comes from the New Testament, the Revelation, Book of Revelation, mm. the four horsemen that represent um, conquest, war, hunger, and death, mm. and the end times, bringing yeah. about the end times. Mm-hmm. And um, today we're going to talk about the four horsemen of relationships. So they're kind of a metaphor mm-hmm. to describe communication styles that will lead to the end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And the person who came up with this is Dr. John Gottman. He's like the ultimate relationship guru. Mm-hmm. And what I tell all the families that I work with is he can sit down with a couple, observe them having a conversation for five minutes. Literally five minutes. Literally five minutes. He can just be like, oh, talk about this. And they'll be, he'll just watch them, and he can predict with over 90% accuracy whether or not they will have a divorce. Mm-hmm. Which, in the research world, 90% accuracy is insane. Insane. <laughs> Unheard of. And he's so good at this that he's actually taught other people how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if you've gone through, and it's like an intense, like Shame. there's not a lot of people who are Gottman trained. Um, but he can teach people in his lab how to do it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, oh, well, it's specific to him. Like, no, he is so good that he can teach others as well, which is incredible. And that's how thorough and in-depth his research has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is over 30, 40 years worth of research mm-hmm. that he's done, and it's legit clinically proven mm-hmm. things that he's noticed in couple dynamics that happen over and over in couples who are failing and their mm-hmm. relationships are failing. Versus the ones who are not. So he's done a lot of work about this. Mm-hmm. He's typed it all out. It's in yep. book format. You can go buy the book if you want to yeah. read about it. I think it's... Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work. Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can read more all about the four horsemen. We're going we're gonna to talk about them today. Because yeah. maybe, you know, you might want to hear about this. Because maybe you might have these signs in your relationship. And you're, you're going to want to know. You're going to yeah. want to recognize who these four horsemen are so that you're able to do something about it and turn your marriage around in case they're mm-hmm. very present. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the first one, mm. the first one is criticism. 
Criticism is very different than offering a critique or voicing a complaint that you have about a specific issue. It's more of an attack on your partner. So an attack about their character, who mm. they are as a person. Um, so you're, you're effectively dismantling their whole being when mm. you criticize them, when you send a criticism. So I'll give you an, ex- an example. The difference between a generic complaint versus and criticism, you know, that would be considered one of the four horsemen. So a complaint would sound something like this. I was scared when you were running late and you didn't call me. I thought we had agreed that we would do that for each other. Versus a criticism would sound a lot like, you never think about how your behavior is affecting people. I don't believe you that you're so forgetful. You're selfish. You never think about others. You never think of me. Mm. So those are two very different tones within those both of them mm-hmm. are issuing being upset about the fact that you were somebody was late mm-hmm. but one is bringing up the issue mm-hmm. the problem of I was very concerned when we were late we had this agreement versus how dare you you never think of others mm-hmm. so the criticism um that's that one horse that comes in the horseman (laughs) um is a direct attack on the character of the person Mm. and it's so dangerous because it becomes very pervasive um and it just paves the way for all the other horsemen to Mm. come through um and it causes a lot of hurt and rejection i mean if you're living with somebody who's constantly telling you that you don't care for others you're forgetful Mm -hmm. you never think about me First of all, that's not very enjoyable. No. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Who wants to hear that all the time? Yeah. That um, just constantly being put down. Um, but second of all, you know, it, it's adding to those fears of rejection. You're mm-hmm. being rejected by the person who's supposed to love and care about you the most. Yeah. And that's very harmful. Mm-hmm. It creates feelings of instability and insecurity in the relationship. Yeah, and it's kind of self-perpetuating, too. You know, like you said, so in a complaint, you're talking about, like, what the person did. Like, you were late. Mm -hmm. In criticism, it's you are an irresponsible person. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you can, one is about behavior, and one is about the actual, like you said, the personhood. Exactly. And, like, I can change a behavior, but I can't necessarily change who I am am right so when somebody's directly attacking that there's nothing for you to do all you can do is sit there and be like well I don't agree with you or internalize it right exactly and yeah I mean that's my one of my number one rules when you have an argument with your spouse or whoever you're in a relationship with is to talk about the problem only and not the Mm -hmm. person we're Mm -hmm. only going to focus on the problem itself of Mm. being late and we're not going to focus on the person who caused the lateness yes (laughs) yes and sometimes I even go to the extreme of you're not allowed to say the word you when you bring up the Ah, problem wow so it might be an even more generic statement (laughs) (laughs) of when lateness happens (laughs) wow I become very distressed Mm. or I become I have a lot of anxiety anxiety when I am late because it makes me feel like I'm not being responsible or putting a good forward or showing the people Mm -hmm. in my life that I care about them. So it's really a challenge. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Just think for a second, something you're mad about (laughs) with your spouse. (laughs) 
oh. and what they do to annoy you. And try that in your head for a second. Can you rephrase that sentence without saying the word you? When you bring, mm-hmm. If you were to bring that issue up to them, just imagine for a moment you were going to talk to them, you're right in front of you, and you're going to bring up this complaint. Can you restructure that sentence without using the word you? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, but what what does that do? That reorients your brain from the person is the problem to the problem is the problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, and that's always the case. But when love is involved, when relationships are involved, it be, feels like it's a personal yeah. attack. Mm-hmm. And so we become... We get flared up and offended. Yeah. And so we automatically accuse. We make the criticism mm-hmm. instead of a complaint be personal because yeah. we already feel like it's personal against yeah. us. We interpret it that way mm. when it might not really be. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, again, it's like one of those things that you're talking about, like criticism kind of perpetuates itself. Um, these these horse these horses like feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. So criticism kind of perpetuates itself, which then leads to when you have enough of it and it's been going on for long enough, mm-hmm. um, that's when you get the second horseman. So that's contempt. Yes. Um, so contempt is um, just to kind of give it a definition. It's disrespecting somebody. It's mocking them with sarcasm um, it's ridiculing a person, calling them names. Names is a big one. Mm. Um, mimicking the person, um, even things like body language down to like, this is, I think, especially for women, eye rolling mm. or scoffing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are all signs of contempt. Um, and the, the point of contempt, even if it's an unconscious point, sometimes it's unconscious. It's not like it, it is to make the other person feel worthless Like, not only do I have criticisms about you and I'm dismantling your character, but now I want, I want you to really know it. I want you to know that, like, I don't respect you. Um, and, and again, that might be an unconscious thing. It might not be a thought you're thinking, but when you're rolling your eyes at somebody or you're using sarcasm, um, and I know some people will argue back, well, I'm just a sarcastic person when it comes to relationships and to to important arguments, you need to leave sarcasm at the door. It is not helpful. And you might think, well, it's it's my personality. No, it's not. Sarcasm is not personality trait. Right. It's just not. Um, and it's not helpful in arguments. If you're joking around and everything's great, like, it serves a purpose in other places. Right. But not when it comes to a, a, a romantic relationship where you're trying to solve problems. Sarcasm is not a tool. It is destructive. Right. Um, and so what it does, what criticism does is it attacks the other person's character and specifically it puts you in a position of superiority over the other person, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what sarcasm does. It's what eye rolling does. Mm -hmm. Um, it's what name calling does is it says like, I am above you. Like you can't see all these criticisms that I've been giving you. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm going to talk down to you. Mm -hmm. Um, so it'll be things like, um, like what you think you're, this, especially if you have kids, like you think you're tired. I've had the kids all day long. Mm-hmm. You don't understand what I've been doing. Right. Um, you know, could like, like you saying that you're tired is pathetic in comparison to what I've been dealing with all day. Right. Or you could switch it with the other partner. Like, 
oh, you think you're tired? I've been out working and slaving all day and you've just been at home like lounging around with the kids. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's sad that you think that you're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's, it's like, it's almost like a competitive thing where like I'm, I'm the one who's winning this right, right now. Right. Um, and what it is, and this is how the horsemen beat off of each other, is it is fueled, contempt is fueled by, it's not like people walk into a relationship Right. And they're like, well, you're pathetic. <laughs> or I'm going to, you're not out on your first date rolling your eyes at the person. Like, clearly that relationship's not going anywhere. You're pathetic. Will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, is it, contempt is definitely comes after the first horseman. Mm-hmm. It comes after months and months and years and years of criticism and feeling beaten down by the other person. And that's when criticism comes in or you've been criticizing so much that eventually you're just like now I don't respect you anymore right um so it's definitely something that it doesn't just pop up out of nowhere that there's things that preceded it yeah and that's interesting because it reminds me about you know statistic about couples going to counseling Mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't show up. By the time they actually pick up the phone and call and say, we need marriage counseling, we need a couples therapist, Hmm. it is six years after Hmm. they've been dealing with whatever their struggles are. And a lot of times by that point, the four horsemen are present and roaming around the pasture. (laughs) (laughs) They're like trampling everything. (laughs) And like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, Whereas criticism is that first sign mm-hmm. and it takes, it could take years before you get to that contempt level or not take months. Right. Mm-hmm. But being aware of that and paying attention to that, like what can we do to intervene now before yes. we get to that six year point where all mm-hmm. four are present, you know, yep. these can be things to be aware of yeah. so that we have an easier time of mitigating and yeah you only got to round up one horse exactly put them back in the stall. <laughs> this is such a great analogy i love it um so before we move on to the next one i do want to to point out that contempt if you're like oh gosh one or the other or, or both of us do this in our relationship contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce mm. so if this is something that's happening in your relationship you need to reach out to a marriage counselor now mm. um and because, again, this is years of pattern. And if you really want your marriage to be successful, your relationship to be successful, like, it's okay to ask somebody else to come in and help you to see those patterns and to help um, intervene. And so if contempt is something you're seeing, know that it is the single greatest predictor of divorce. And it has mm. to, it cannot be a part of your relationship. Absolutely. Because... How can you, I mean, which, you know, you hear people say these things. How can I stay with a person who's such a slob? They don't care about themselves. How can I stay with someone who's like that? Yeah. That's, that's contempt. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right about that. So yes, our third horseman. Third horseman. Defensiveness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, defensiveness you'll see happen a lot. It's a response to criticism. So it's the omnipresent <laughs> horse. Mm. Um, when you're, when a relationship is on the rocks, there's pretty much guaranteed to be defensiveness happening on one side, if not both sides. Mm. Um, so whenever we feel unjustly accused, we look for excuses. We want to play the victim. So, and it's kind of like a mechanism, right? A defense mechanism, defensiveness, mm-hmm. to get our partners to back off. 
The problem is it's usually not very successful. <laughs> we keep trying it over and over, mm-hmm. but it creates more problems. So, for example, you know, somebody would say, did you call them? Let them know we're not coming tonight. You promised you'd call. And the defensive response, a, a defensive response would be, you know just how busy my schedule was. Why didn't you just do it? Mm. So you you re- reverse the blame. You turn it back around on the other person. It's, you know, you know how busy I am. You should have done it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to taking responsibility, right, a non-defensive answer would be, I'm, I'm so sorry. I forgot. I should have asked you this morning. I knew I had a crazy day. Mm. Let me call them right now mm-hmm. and try to make up for that. Right. Because when we're able to take responsibility in a situation, it takes away that ability to be critical or contemptuous yeah. of someone. And it helps your partner know that you recognize you're right. You did ask me to do that. Mm-hmm. You're acknowledging that. That was my responsibility. Let me take care of it right now. Mm-hmm. So it can mitigate a lot of those side effects yeah. of the four horsemen. Um, however, if we use defensiveness, it's going to escalate the situation, yeah. cause worse mm-hmm. layers of criticism yeah. and contempt because we don't want to back down. We're not taking responsibility. We're saying, you should have done it. You know how busy I am. Yeah. That's like, those are fighting words right there. That's like, <laughs> you're picking a fight. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's usually when, I feel like when, when you start using defensiveness, that's when like the history book comes out. It's like, especially women, they like to like plop the book down, open it up. Well, let me give you all the other examples of when you didn't call and you said you were going exactly. to. Exactly. Um, because it's like, Okay, this one time didn't convince you. Now I've got a whole history of other times. And like, mm-hmm. so like you said, it just escalates. Absolutely. Yeah. What you're saying makes me think of um, a meme that I saw on social media <laughs> lately. And it said something like, you know, when the husband says, I never said that. And there's like a woman's hand reaching inside this file cabinet that's open. <laughs> and she's like pulling out one file from the back of the drawer. <laughs> Yes. Yes. That's accurate. <laughs> yep. But that's what happens. Like, why do you keep those files? Exactly. For to defend yourself in in future fights. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and the interesting thing about defensiveness, it it will escalate a conflict, but only if that critical spouse, the one who's being critis- criticizing, doesn't back down or apologize. So even if you bring up your criticism, right? Mm-hmm. You like flung that accusation out there like you never call people you never keep your promises when you said you were mm-hmm. gonna call them and somebody gets defensive right like well whatever you know I'm busy you should have done it that person who made the complaint the criticism could still have an opportunity to save the moment mm. and back down and apologize mm. instead of letting it spiral and get worse Mm. so know that even if you're frustrated with your spouse who didn't make that call you you start off with criticism you got defensiveness back (laughs) the four horsemen are starting to trot out (laughs) you can still save the situation yeah with an apology Mm. um and you know say back it up horses (laughs) um you can still say you know what you're right you know thank you Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just figure it out now. Let's yeah. just call right now. You know, mm-hmm. you can still save the situation. Mm-hmm. 
It's really interesting. Um, okay. Oh, hmm. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. About that? Yeah. Before we move, that's one thing I forgot about too. Is um, with you know a lot of couples that I see, I feel like when they come to counseling, there's people are constantly wanting to defend the mm. position. So somebody will bring up a point about what they notice might be happening in the relationship, um, a dynamic that's going wrong. And then the other person has, it's like, it's like you're at a, in court and they each person wants to state their side. And so someone, you know, for example, will just keep going with the phone call. Well, this, I asked him to call and he didn't call. And then, Oh, wait, wait, wait. What really happened was mm. I ran late because I got home at 5 p.m. instead of 4, and so it was really hard, and as if they feel like it's very important for me to know these extra details of why we couldn't make the phone call. Mm-hmm. And really, when I got home at 5, then she was telling me about how horrible I am. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I did not say it that way. I said... <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And there's constantly defensiveness happening. Yeah. And it's a big challenge to interrupt that and stop and warn people Mm -hmm. that you should not, like, let's get away from this conversation because it's really not helpful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow for healthy conflict management. No, it does not. Not at all. Um, Because really what it then turns into is the defensiveness just turns into, it's a blame game. Mm -hmm. Like, who's really to blame here? Right. Like... Um, and like finding blame, like doesn't really, it's kind of a fruitless endeavor. Like, exactly. like literally a fruitless endeavor. Like what is the fruit that you have found after you find who is to blame? Exactly. Let's say we magically find who is to blame, which I've never seen that happen <laughs> in the blame game. We have concluded ever. at the end of this research period <laughs> that you uh, the one at Fouts. <laughs> you are right, I am. No, I've never seen that happen. Everybody always walks away still thinking the other person was to blame. Right. And say we magically did find that out. Mm-hmm. Who is to actual? Who is actually to blame? What does it do? Exactly. There's no fruit that comes from that. Right. It's literally not constructive. It doesn't construct solutions. Right. It's just like paging through history and saying who's the bad guy. When, when you're in a relationship, there isn't a bad guy. Exactly. It's two people who love each other, and it's kind of gone awry. Right. So the blame game doesn't help. If one of you wins, that means the other one loses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that means the marriage loses. <laughs> yes, because ultimately, it's not two... A marriage isn't a competition. Mm-hmm. It's two people being partners together. Right. And when my partner loses... Like, if you're playing, like, te- partner's tennis. Right. When my partner loses in partner's tennis, I lose. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, yeah, so blame game, mm-mm. No, it's not good. Defensiveness. Um, so all three of these lead to our fourth. Yes. Mm. And these all kind of, like, you can see how they work off of one another, you know? Mm-hmm. You've been criticized and criticized and criticized, and now, like, you just can't take it anymore. And so... Now contempt comes in mm-hmm. and like this negativity has been going for so long that now I, I don't even like you anymore or I feel like I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and within those those two things, within the criticism, within the contempt, you're constantly having to defend yourself and right. be defensive to these attacks that are coming. And that is exhausting. Mm-hmm. 
Right. It is exhausting. And that leads to our fourth horseman, which is stonewalling. Mm. And this one to me is pretty scary. Um, so this, it's usually a response to contempt. And you can't have contempt unless you have the criticism and the defensiveness. Um, and what happens with stonewalling is when um, usually the listener, so whoever is being like criticized in the moment or is receiving the contempt, they withdraw from the interaction. So they just completely shut down. You, it's almost like you, they push the power button on the, on the computer and you can hear the boom. <laughs> yeah. like they're, they're not responding to their partner at all. You often see it with like arms crossed and like you can even see it in the body language. Like they are just done. Um, and what happens is rather than confronting the issues that are happening, um, they will kind of, they'll evasively tune the other person out. They'll turn away from them. They'll act busy. Acting busy is a big one. Mm. So it's like, I'm so done with this conversation. They just like start cleaning the dishes. Mm. So a lot of these conversations happen in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or they'll engage in like um, really distracting behaviors. Um, So I'm trying to think of an example for that one. Um, Like turning on the television. Right. That's a perfect one. I'm going to turn on the TV now and like, turning the volume up Mm. like as the other person's trying to talk over the tv the other person's turning that's stonewalling Mm -hmm. like i'm putting a stone wall in between you and i Mm -hmm. um it comes in the form of the audio of the television or like physically turning away from the person Mm -hmm. um and it does it takes time for this for things to get this bad again people aren't like this isn't how relationships start right it's just not um, and what it is, is those, it be it, stonewalling comes into the relationship when those other three horsemen are so overwhelming that the other person just can't handle it anymore. Mm. They're just like, you know what? This is so psychologically flooding for me mm-hmm. that I have to turn, the, I have to turn the other person off somehow. Right. And they'll use those different methods. Um, and, and, and in some ways, it's understandable like because you do usually the person who's stonewalling if you're talking to them about it they'll say like i like i just don't know what else to do i don't know what else to say i've tried everything and i'm tired of being criticized and i'm tired of the other person just being so mean to me and so i just tune out so in some ways it's understandable right i'm just gonna listen to them tell me what i do wrong for the next 30 minutes i'm done Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but we have to be very careful with it because it, it becomes a habit in the relationship because the criticism and contempt is painful and this is an easy way, maybe not easy because it's not necessarily easy. It's a very effective way mm-hmm. to get that pain to stop. Mm-hmm. Like if I just tune them out and I don't have to hear it or if I turn the TV on or if I start doing, if I just like shut my brain down and stop listening that I'm not being bombarded and being wounded over and over again. And so that does, it becomes a habit when it's an, it feels like an easy out. We, we do it a lot and it's not easy to stop even after you realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it, sometimes it happens because you start to realize like I'm not in a state where I can continue to have this conversation. And so it seems like the only way to do it. Um, so if you feel like stonewalling is something that's been happening to you in your relationship, 
um, one of the things that you can do, because there is a difference between taking a timeout and stonewalling. Right. They're two very different things. And sometimes people will, they'll conflate the two. And the turning the TV on and turning the volume up, they'll be like, well, I just needed a timeout. That's not a timeout. That's, that's an evasive maneuver. And that is, um, it's putting a barrier between you and the other person. And there isn't any communication going on. Right. Um, versus a timeout would look something like, you know what? I'm too angry to talk about this or I'm, I'm so emotionally flooded right now or this hurts me. This conversation is so painful. I need, um, like I need a minute. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go take some time and giving a specified amount of time. Yes. So you can't just be like, I need a minute and then walk away. I need a minute. I'm going to take 10, 15 minutes and saying, we'll come back to it. Um, and so what you do is like you take the 10, 15 minutes and you go and you, you don't go into another room. So this is like Irish temper, right? The person goes into the other room and then like makes themselves angrier uh, and starts thinking of all the reasons like, well, okay, now I'm just retreating so that I can think of all the things that I'm going to come back with. No, no, right. no, no. You take those 10, 15 minutes and you go and you do something that soothes you, something that calms you down. Um, and then you come back to the conversation when you're ready for it to be constructive and when you're ready to not use the four horsemen when you're ready to not use criticism or contempt or defensiveness. That's when you can kind of re-enter the arena, so to speak. Right. Um, because, I mean, stonewalling is like the fourth horseman for a reason. Because like now we're not even having conversations that can solve the problem. Right. Now it's basically no conversation. You're mm-hmm. one person is talking to a wall. Yes. There's. It's just a one-sided conversation, which is a real sign of a major breakdown mm-hmm. in the relationship. And I love that idea you had about, you know, taking the break and making sure you communicate it, communicate about when you're coming back, what the plan <laughs> is, like, yes. we will be addressing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even scheduling it if you have to. Like, yeah. Let's, within the next 24 hours, we're going to talk about it at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those, those are the four horsemen. I know that's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So pay attention. You know, Think about, certainly we all have moments where we want to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because you might notice these things within your relationship as we're talking, you know, doesn't mean that, oh no, the apocalypse is here, my marriage is doomed, <laughs> right? Um, but definitely these are signs that you're going to want to know what to do to take steps Mm -hmm. and what to do about it. Yeah. So there's some antidotes Mm -hmm. to the four horsemen. So if you want to hear more about that, if you like what we've been discussing so far, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly we can have another episode about it. Let us know. Yeah. Email us at those Catholic shrinks and, um, we'll definitely be able to do that, but know that there's hope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We can certainly tell you what to do, and being able to identify the four horsemen is the first antidote, the first step to doing something about it. So that's what you did today by listening to us and hearing what they were. And Mm -hmm. if you want to go out and buy that book we mentioned at Mm -hmm. the beginning, Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work by John Gottman. it's pretty cheap on Amazon. Yeah. Lots of used copies available. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the library has copies. Um, yeah. It's, and even even if you can't necessarily afford that, you can just, they have, um, I think it's the Gottman Institute. Mm-hmm. If you Google the Gottman Institute, 
his website should come right up. He's even kind of what we were talking about is directly from that website. He has so many resources online. This isn't like buy his program for $150. Like, no, this is just information that is out there and readily available. Um, Clearly we are geeking out over it because it's so good. It's so effective. Once people start seeing this, it's like aha moments. Right. That's what's been happening. Right. And if you feel like this has been like a light bulb turned on for you in your relationship, like don't wait for us to do the antidote podcast. Do not wait. No. Like call your parish, talk to your pastor, ask if they have any recommendations for counselors. You can go on psychology today. There's numerous ask for your friends for recommendations, but definitely get in touch with somebody. If this is something that you're noticing in your relationship now, like. You were saying that statistic is crazy of six years. An average of six years. Mm -hmm. And you do not want to wait that long. Trust me. Mm -hmm. You know, when horses get an opportunity to play, (laughs) (laughs) when the cat's away, the horses will play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You don't want to let them Mm -hmm. destroy everything over those six years. It's that much more challenging to reverse it. So. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys. We'll see you later.